Welcome to the Skeptic Wire. September 30th, 2011. September 28th, actually. It is episode 25 of The Skeptic Wire. Yay! Recording from the Go Recording Studios in San Antonio, Texas, I'm David Harcourt, joined by Gary Lawn. Silver is shiny. Craig Perrine. Stop this dog from licking me. And Donna Swafford. My imaginary friend says you're mean. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you tell your imaginary friend... I, I poked your imaginary friend in the eye and laughed. <laughs> ha ha! It's okay, Donna. Okay. Um, well, welcome, everybody. Um, we got a good show today, and we have a couple of updates about the Texas Free Thought Convention, which yeah. is coming very soon. Yeah, one week from probably when you're listening to this, assuming you listen to this tomorrow, we will all be arriving in Houston. It wins tomorrow, Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, just trying to leave things vague for the listener. Vague. They might be listening three years from now, but <laughs> but uh, the first weekend in October, or first no the full s- weekend. Yeah, well, it depends on if you consider Friday part of the weekend. Um, the first okay. late Friday. <laughs> all right, the seventh, eighth, and ninth of October. Cut all of that out of here. <laughs> uh, we will be joining uh, the rest of the Texas Free Thought Society type people in Houston, Texas, for the Texas Free Thought Convention. All four of us will be there. And uh, we just heard this last week or so that um, it was questionable, but Christopher Hitchens will be there at the Texas Free Thought Convention. We don't know how Yay. much he's going to be able to do, if he's going to be able to speak much. Uh, there might be some book signing, but it's it's good that he's able to get there and yeah. um, hopefully that means he'll yeah. be writing for us for a little for a little while longer. We know one thing he's going to do is accept an award. I right, mean, that's, except Sir Richard Dawkins. That may be it, but he's going to oh, be accepting the award. I thought it was supposed to be a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> so, doubt if he'll be speaking. Uh, doubt if he'll be signing. Probably Maybe not. Maybe he'll be signing some autographs. I we might know. get a quick thank you after the award or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then we've got something else going on. Yes, it's, personally. it's, it's, a, um, it's a secret, but... Um, <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast, you can join us uh, probably sometime Saturday night. We'll be doing a live home recording in our room and just kind of inviting everybody else up from the bar to talk about the convention and see what's been going along. And we'll share that all with you when we get back from the convention. That's right, because I just recently got a Radio Shack tape recorder, and we're going to try it out. It should work pretty well. As opposed to the recorder <laughs> I used for the the. Uh, oh sure, yeah, Stere- stereo, digital, you know, whatever. My my Radio Shack is analog, man. You're it's going old retro. <laughs> All right, but uh, well, expect more of that silliness next week when we re- record the live show. And um, I'm guessing, I say at least half the podcast audience and members will probably be drunk. It's quite possible, or maybe not drunk, yeah. but um, certainly happy. So if you know us, or if you can find us at the TFC, uh, we'll let you know about when we're doing the recording and uh, join in on that. Yeah. Okay, and another thing we want to talk about, there was a petition on WhiteHouse.gov. A couple of petitions. Not .com. (laughs) 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 And you have to register, and I had a problem registering, so I've been able to sign this petition. 
but it's about taking the pledge, God out of the Pledge of Allegiance, right? right. Really? Yeah, yeah. T- taking under God out of the Pledge of Allegiance, and then there's a second one saying we should take in God we trust off our money. Hmm. Now, it, this was mentioned on Friendly Atheist in this last week, um, and I don't know how much press this has gotten or if this is in any way being paid attention to by anyone actually in government, but apparently it's part of this new kind of citizens kind of suggest laws petition system that they have on so the website. It's getting just about as much press as the uh, Infiltrate Wall Street or Occupy, <laughs> Wall, Occupy, Occupy Wall, Wall Street. Street. Occupy Wall Street. Street. No, Which people started paying attention to now that somebody maced a protester. Right. But <laughs> uh, a, cop a cop maced NPR a protester. NPR did a story this morning. Yeah, really? but I, yeah. Oh, yeah I, I well, did... you still haven't seen CNN and MSNBC doing stories on him. So. <laughs> about Fox? Yeah, I think Keith Oberman, Insurgents. Keith Oberman covered it, but he's not on MSNBC anymore. Mm. He's on current TV or some second level show like that. Um, um, not that I'm on a level MSNBC covered it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, they covered the Mace episode. Anyway. <laughs> well, um, congratulations. When I, when I looked at the um, petition, there was like 15,000 signatories. Well, on, that's uh, not on very many. <laughs> Out yeah. of 300 million people. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not bad, but, you know. So, Donna? And I would like to give a special shout out to Sierra, who is Michael's sister. She is getting married around this time next year. So, many congratulations to her and Chad. Congratulations, Congratulations. Is the the club named after her? Sierra Club? (laughs) No, no, no. But we think that when his when their mom was pregnant with Sierra, his dad really wanted a truck. So (laughs) we got a daughter, so he named her Uh, Okay. Yeah. But the weapon was named after her, the Sierra Club. (laughs) Okay, almost done with this initial what? (laughs) The Sierra Club. Wow, that was bad. Yes. And Sorry. who wants to talk about, of course, we had the final finality on these falling satellite. Oh, yeah. It didn't hit my house. The I'm UARS so happy. The UARS satellite fell into the Pacific Ocean. We think. And I don't think it killed anyone. It might have killed some fish, dolphin, who Perhaps, knows? or may- maybe nothing at all. I mean, but Aquaman. Maybe, it killed Aquaman. Maybe it was nah, a criminal dolphin and deserved to die. <laughs> you know, they always talk about those stories about all the helpful dolphins that bring lost people back to, to the shore. You what never... if this was a one that just went, no, you're not worth saving, bye. Exactly. Or, or drag them further out to sea. You never hear those stories about the asshole dolphins because That's the people because die. die. <laughs> so, we did hear about the asshole dolphins who are killing the porpoises. <laughs> yes, they're killing with a porpoise. Yes. So they're not all good, but, you know. Ow. Ow. For your listeners at home, I just threw something at Gary. And I think you hit him in the nipple. <laughs> yeah, she did. Um, but there, there's another there's another satellite going to be falling to Earth pretty soon in the next couple of months, a German satellite. Maybe that'll hit you in the other nipple. Not quite as large. And this is because the atmosphere is expanding. Is this what you explained last week? Uh, right. Yeah, so but no, not, not well, necessarily it's because it's expanding. It's just old satellites. Its, yeah, it, they don't necessarily stay up there all the time unless you boost them. Because there is right. drag on them, uh, naturally. So, Dude, that's such a drag. Yeah, I know. Anyway, okay. See, I can't even throw anything at you because that one wasn't quite as bad as the porpoise. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes, I know. Okay, Greg, uh, tell us about what everyone's talking about, neutrinos moving faster than the speed of light. He's going to tell. He's going to tell. He's going to tell. Okay. The neutrinos, they're, they're moving. They're mutating. <laughs> 
So, as we all know, the speed of light is 186,000 miles per hour, give or take a few hundred. Well, apparently there's been some rounding errors in neutrino speeds. Uh, as you guys have probably all seen in the news, that um, there's lots of stories about how the CERN group in Geneva, in coordination with uh, the Opera study in Italy, um, have been firing around neutrinos, and apparently they found that neutrinos were going slightly faster than the speed of light. So it, it's, it's something as small of over the 454 miles between CERN and Opera, which is about 732 kilometers for you outside of the United States. There was a 60 nanosecond difference in when, when the neutrinos were fired and when they showed up at the detector in, in, in Italy compared to what you would expect from the speed of light. But that's thousands of meters per second faster. Uh, yes. So uh, what what I found in an way. article is they, light travels at basically 299,792,458 meters <laughs> per second, and neutrinos were clocked in this experiment as 299,798,454 meters, meters per second. Per second. So, yeah, about that, and and that's pretty damn impressive, but unfortunately we only had 454 miles to measure this. Straight through the Earth, which is cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, because that's, uh, neutrinos are, um, they have a neutral charge, they almost have no mass, as far as um, the scientists say, in big quotes, scientists. Well, we um, used to think they had no mass. Yeah. And they almost never interact with real matter, so... You can shoot them for through a mountain, and you can shoot billions of them, and only like a half a dozen will show up on your detector. Mm-hmm. They re- interact that rarely. Weekly. Weekly. There. There you go. That's with an A. <laughs> E-A, not E-A. <laughs> so what does this mean? You saw that look on my face, yeah. didn't you? Well, to quote the... the um, the quotable that we seem to quote every week, we would have to take physics and bin it if this was actually true. Well, that is Ooh, not true. Two yeah. weeks in a row that we've made it to Minshew We would point. not have to bend I physics. I think it's actually the same. <laughs> in fact, a, a lot of people are saying that, at least according to you know the CBS News and all the kind of schlocky, we don't actually have a science journalist people. <laughs> but no, we wouldn't have. I, I don't agree that we would have to bend physics. I've seen articles that say it does not contradict. Yeah. Yeah, uh, most uh, you got most of these articles Einstein. saying, "Oh, Einstein's weeping in his grave," and this means relativity is all wrong. And also saying, "Oh, we can do time travel now," or you know, "Now we can have Star Trek faster than the light," or subspace communications. And well, no, right. this could be a rounding error. <laughs> right, and it's kind of like the known sp- uh, the speed of light as we know it with the current technology that we can measure it with. Yeah. But we're pretty darn good at we're, figuring we're, we're out the speed of light. Go ahead. My, uh, some of the possibilities here, the way I understand it, is one is just experimental error. Right. Because you're, 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 firing, um, you're firing what, I forget what, at a metal bar, and depending on where it hits that bar can actually make a difference and where, when the neutrinos start. So the start time is in question, okay? Yeah, because essentially the neutrinos are generated in the particle accelerator, the um, the Large Hadron Collider, and they're just whipped around, 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 and then shot out a tube towards Italy, and that's... Well, they have to strike something. Yeah, so and shooting, it, a bar. shooting it out okay. of Italy, uh, out of <clears throat> Switzerland, <throat> is 
a thing in the first place. How you know? How can you tell exactly when it leaves Switzerland? Right, right. And then and also, like that. you said, how do you know exactly okay. how and when and yeah. you know which particle was it the first one that came out of the gun or the last one that came out of the gun that set off the detector because they weakly interfere? And and what was the other kind of natural experiment we had on this that this contradicts? It was a supernova explosion. Right. right. It, there was Remember a that? supernova in 1987 called 1987A. It was the first one. Yes. Thank, thank you, Gary, for your contribution. Thank you. I will shut up now. So at that, we were yeah. able to track neutrino speed at that point. Well, not speed, but we detected neutrinos. Speed. What, what we did is we there was a difference between the photon when the photons arrived and when the neutrinos arrived. There, the, and the a, difference a between difference. the two. There was a, a difference of hours. Right, because the photons took time to get through the cloud. And right. neutrinos don't. Exactly. So the photons were slowed down. The neutrinos weren't. We calculated the difference between the two, and we decided that neutrinos were going to speed of light at that point. Right. But so and that is a, over if, large, large, large dif- distances. Right. And if if this difference in the neutrino speed that they found at CERN and Opera was actually the case over that huge distance between us and wherever the heck that supernova came from. The, the the people who do better math than I can do say that somewhere between, say, three and a half and four and a half years is what we'd actually see a real difference. Right. So right. We neutrinos the neutrinos would have come in three or four years time. earlier right? than the, if that were true. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But there are a couple of possible – those who think this could be possible are saying that it has some – could be having something to do with the dimensions. Yeah. Which does not really contradict Einstein's theories. It's kind of more because Einstein did not factor in other dimensions in space-time. He had four. He had four. (laughs) And now we're proposing with string theory several more. And that neutrinos may take a different path. Right. They may take a a shortcut. shortcut. Which would be quite interesting. And then I also read that Einstein's theory predicts that anything that's going below speed of light can never accelerate to the speed of light. But if something's already going above the speed of light, that actually is allowable. Well, there's some things like... <laughs> well, now you're blowing my mind. Well, something bit. like the the old Stephen Wright joke of if you're driving in, in a car that's going the speed of light and you turn on the lights, does anything happen? Well, yes, because the lights still keeps going but you know it's all that relativistic like well it depends on your point of view your you know yeah that's stuff and, i can't and, even and that well that's the whole about. thing like your your brother wrote about um yeah is it all depends on your relative position because you can't measure your speed uh just by itself it's always in relation to something else right right so if, it, it's one of those things where the the idea is that that speed and distance um, sorry, time and distance are ha- relative. have to be relative to each other. So if based on your observation, it looks like you're going faster, it seems that the time is is, is decreased or increased. Yeah. I, I apologize for my public school education. <laughs> but now one. going back to that um, supernova explosion, where we thought we kind of, okay, we know how fast neutrinos go, they go to the speed of light. And we, that was confirmed. The people say, well, yeah, true, but neutrinos can take different forms. Right, and a lot of this experiment was about the three different flavors of neutrinos and how they might morph into each other. So who knows how how just natural produced neutrinos 
how how they speak how they thing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Different flavors of neutrino can possibly go different speeds. And we we had an interesting discussion with someone in our in our uh, group, group a couple nights ago. Um, th- he said this is one of the ways that neutrinos may be able to go faster by kind of shape shifting, changing changing type. Right. Okay. Which kind of puts them in a different. I don't understand it at all. So there's all sorts of possibilities here. There's a physicist out there that's saying if these actually uh, are pan out and it's true, he'll eat his shorts on live TV. <laughs> right. There's a lot of people who say there's no way. This is definitely measurement error. We've all read a lot of articles on this. A lot of people say there's absolutely no way. There's other articles saying, well, you know, uh, the dimension thing. There's all different different things, different ways this there's, can happen. There's been some talk about dark matter. <laughs> but the, the yeah. important thing now, they're saying – it's the CERN group is saying this is what we got. We've been actually have they've been sitting on these results for a while, doing it over and over and over again. Yeah, they've been checking just to make their sure because like they've that. been checking it. They're obviously smart people. They absolutely know their science, and they're saying. And they're also asking other groups to come in and independently verify. Right. They're asking well, other groups to come amazing. in and independently verify. Yeah. They're saying we are not going to say for sure until someone else comes and verifies our work. So, and it may be it may be a technology thing. Who knows? Well, uh, the one thing about. About the neutrinos in the 1987A supernova. Okay, if they were tunneling or taking a different path, then we should have seen, supposedly, more of them arriving earlier, which we didn't. We we saw them arriving at the speed of light or very Were we looking for them? Um, Well, that's a good question. Well, we've we've had neutrino detectors for quite a while, the ones that are just natural neutrino detectors buried in mountains – I'm just not sure when all of those have come online. Maybe there was, in that four-year difference, there was enough technology increase. But you would think if they traveled faster, you would see a different, uh, a, it wouldn't just, they would all show up four years early or not. They would kind of, different types. they would come yeah. in at different times if they were, you know, skipping in and out of dimensions at different times. One would think, unless they, they all just do it all like disappear a into a of unless different flavors are created by different processes, and that process creates one flavor of neutrino. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Hopefully, mint chocolate chip. None of us are <laughs> physicists. Don't make um, me throw something at you again. <laughs> we're kind of going by what we've been reading from the different news stories, but it is interesting, and I hope they figure yeah. it out. You well, know, I think know. I think that this is going to be a long time in coming. Well, the, because I know that the I, I know that. The Swiss have asked, I believe it is the Italians and the Americans, to replicate it. Right. Well, the, the no- Tevatron had a similar result. Uh, the one in Fermilab in Fermilab. Illinois. And thank you very much. Earlier, a couple of years earlier. 2007. But they couldn't replicate, and two, they didn't have they didn't have the same distance, but... Uh, what, what were you showing there? You know what? I don't want to know. Margin uh, of error. Margin of right. They, they, they weren't. They it, weren't was, <laughs> it was this big. It's the margin of error. But the bigger margin big. of error. I was trying to like, how do I sign language that? Because that's not what it looked like from yeah. yours. <laughs> yeah. No. no, I was going wide, not long. Like anyway. So. Um, I think we broke Gary. No, I'm waiting for the dogs to stop. Actually, the Fermilab experiment was also about 450 miles, oddly enough. Okay. So maybe it's something in that distance that they decided was a good distance. But Well, that's oh. like, isn't that the diameter 
of the Earth, basically. 450 I don't know miles? No. No. No, not 450 miles, but it was... Something to do with the curvature of the Earth made that an ideal length, maybe. Yeah. Otherwise, maybe... Going through the Earth. Maybe, maybe going uh, otherwise the you're Earth. going through the, the lower mantle as opposed to just the crust. That's true. And that's the know. longest you can get, maybe. Maybe that's what it is. But I yeah, Fermilab is trying to replicate hey, the results. And they, they have got better technology now, so they can actually get closer to the to the margin yeah. error. Or, or uh, this... What, what's the word? Specificity? Exactitude of the soul. Precision? Yeah. Precision, thank you. Then on the other, <laughs> on the other hand, the, the unfortunate part is there's... I think there's only three organizations that can produce this experiment. One is CERN, which has done it already, and we'll probably do it again just to confirm, um, but they're using the same equipment. The second one is Fermilab, which um, they have the technology, but half of Fermilab is shutting Shutting down because of lack of federal funding. And then the third one is the Japanese, which, you know, just had a big-ass earthquake, and they're not online right now, so... Well, wait a minute. There's the uh, Texas Super Collider. Oh, no, that's right. We didn't build that. Never mind. <laughs> it would be really cool if this type of experiment can tell us how many dimensions there are. If it went that yeah. way, if, it, if we really did realize that it's true, and all these different theories are going to be coming out well, does this prove... That there are so many dimensions, you know, beyond what we know. Or if it has does anything this, to do with Buckaroo Banzai. Does this yeah, tell dimensions. us anything about relativity, which I don't think it probably does. Um, what did you say? Buck what? Buckaroo Banzai. Across it, the eighth dimension! He, the, the, the person, this is the guy I have based my entire life on, except for the whole doctor part. <laughs> yeah, and you're not... It's this really but, cheesy sci-fi movie. Yeah. I missed 80s. it. Sorry. Um, has the gu- Peter Weller from um, Robocop. Robocop in it. John okay. Lithgow is the bad guy with black gums. Yeah. Anyway. I, anyway, I missed that cultural reference. <laughs> I don't feel too bad about it. That's okay, I'm Gary. sure it was okay. really good. Yeah, it'll be good. <clears throat> so anybody uh, have anything else to say about the neutrino I, I think conundrum? The, the, it's unfortunate that the scientists kind of did the, well, let's have a press conference before we actually have our article fully reviewed and well, peer reviewed. No, I think no, they, did they, it they right. released it and then they kind of explained why they were releasing yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's kind of a little... And they've been for a very long time. Well, yeah, but they've been working with it, but it hasn't been... They kind of could have asked for confirmation I'm first sure they... before they did the press conference. That's a little... Some people are complaining about that, but the important thing is that, like we were talking about earlier, this is scientists saying, well, this is what we found. We're not drawing any specific conclusions about this, despite what all the news agencies it's are doing. It's not like the cold fusion guys. Yes, exactly. They're, they're saying, right. this is what we found. We might be wrong. Please check us. Right. This is good science and, the way and it they, should they be went, done. They went to science, scientists, mm-hmm. and not to the media to, yeah. to, to yeah. put it out there. Right. Yeah. So I know some people are complaining about the press aid, pressness of this, but it's good science, even if it's wrong. Even if it's wrong, it'll teach us more. But as it stands right now... The results are either true or they're false, and we won't know for a little while. It's kind of like Schrodinger's cat. <laughs> so they're both true and false at the same time. Yes, at this point. absolutely. Schrodinger's cat. <laughs> so if, uh, you found a new, uh, news article that Schrodinger's cat has a bizarre cousin? Yes. Um, I'm kind of fascinated with the whole idea of Schrodinger's cat. It just amuses me greatly on, on a couple of different levels. And so there's this new, uh, or a, an addendum or an offshoot of this thought experiment 
having to do <coughs> with with multiple um, boxes and but just one cat. Anyways, and a tunnel in between them? Uh, no, no, no tunnel. And I think the correct term would be habit trail thing because. Oh, like a hamster. So, <laughs> a cat a trail. Or a, a rectum to come. That would be cheating, according to this experiment. Right. So, basically, what this is, is an elaboration of Schrodinger's thought experiment. So, let's say you have a cat, and it's, it's purring or meowing. Exactly. And so, but instead of just doing the one box, you have two boxes. And the cat is either in one or the other box, right? And you still have the whole radiation that's going to kill the cat or not kill the cat, depending on the thing. So what you can do is, based on quantum levels, you can reach in and stroke the cat and pet the cat. Pervert? Uh, no, no. Just oh, cat. you said cat. Okay. Or you can listen to the cat. But what will happen is you will hear the sound of the purring and the meowing coming from the other box. So the essence of cat will have shifted. You'll have the physical cat and then what a cat is in two separate boxes. And what they're saying is you can do this with an electron where you'll have like the mass in one side and the spin of the electron in, in another side. And the, and the way you test this is by using a very weak testing methods. Which As means, in, you know, the kind of thing that homeopathists do, or it, it, not quite that <laughs> not weak. that weak, okay, <laughs> but sort of. So the thing about quantum mechanics and is it's it's very statistical. It's so very mean really, to cats. You re- yes, yeah. Well, physics in general pretty much hates cats, but the uh, so there's a lot of uh, statistical modeling and averaging and, and, and bringing it up. So the way that you would do this is instead of, like, there, there's a slit experiment where, where you shoot uh, uh, light protons, no, pr- protons, individual oh, okay. protons through the slit, and it gradually makes this diffraction pattern. Oh, is it the two slits? It, it's a double slit experiment, yeah. right. And then if you have a triple, I mean, it basically acts as if you will have constant light and and it gradually one, builds one, up. One lands in, in a pile and one lands in a in a Right. They either a, cancel a, themselves out or or you get you get nodes at, yeah, mm-hmm. what are those called? Peaks and nodes. Yeah. So it appears as if the proton is going through both slits at the same time. Right. Okay. Okay. So Or not. Or not. <laughs> right. Exactly. Very good. Right. And the moment the moment you test is when you'll know exactly. So you can see which one it goes through. But then it'll just go through and it'll make the note, right? Whereas if you're not testing, it'll cancel each other out, and that's why you get those cancellations, mm-hmm. right? Yes, right. You get those peaks and notes. It's a wave. Yes, it acts like a wave, even though it's a particle. So this whole thing is supposed and to test, uh, <laughs> and a particle, and a particle, and a wave, and, and so on, all the way down with the turtles, because it's turtles all the way down. Oh. <clears throat> Started out with cats, now we're killing turtles in a box. <laughs> what? Yes. I'm sorry, are you in the still explaining? Uh, go ahead. My, my kind of issue, what surprised me about this article is the proposition that there's a way to weakly interact right. with the system without causing the wave collapse. Right, and that's, that's what I was going to start. I'm okay. glad you brought that up because I was trying to figure out how to get into that. And I was losing my words. Because the whole idea is just the basic quantum physics of you can't know someone's pos- something's position and its vector 
at the same time because once you observe one, the other way, the other thing you can't observe. You, well, you, you change the other thing. Yeah. You know, you're, you're you acting upon the system. Collapse the waveform right. and blah, 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 blah. Right, which is the whole thing about quantum mechanics, which is why once you look at the cat, it's either, it is alive. either alive or dead rather than both at the same time. But right. they've got this wishy-washy way around it, apparently. Yeah. Um, it's and, and the best way I can describe it is as if you're, instead of looking at like the cat directly, you kind of use your peripheral vision. So you're not, and that's kind of what they're doing uh, with with the with the electrons. Is they're not shooting a proton all the way through; they're kind of shooting it around the cloud, very weakly. I think is is what I got out of this. Because if that proton hits, if, if it hits the cloud, the wave it collapses, function collapses, right. right? And then that causes the radiation, the, the tube to break, I, the poison to. All yeah. oh, right, then you know exactly what's happening. And so what that does, though, is it allows you to see if it's true or not. <laughs> we may have to cut this out. I just I'm don't know lost. if that's possible. I've never heard this before. It's it's really confusing because the way I read it, I thought it was they just did an experiment over and over and over again with a large number of electrons right. and then just kind of closed one eye and said, aha, we're only observing half of it. Well, that's exactly what they did. It's it's a okay. large number of experiments, but you're instead of firing something through it, you're looking askance at it, exactly what you said. It, but I thought it, it was it, just ignoring data as opposed to looking askance. Well, they're using statistical methods because what will happen is you'll kind of pull any peak in there. It'll, it'll cause a peak to sort of come out. Okay. And, it's like putting but, a piece of paper over a waveform graph and only seeing the tops. Uh, yeah, something like that, I, I guess. Uh, again, I, I couldn't get through the paper <laughs> that I could read because all stati- it's all st- uh, statistics, and I was just looking at it just going, oh, my goodness. So I had to read all of so these the result is popular, popular things. You can have the spin, a property of the electron in one box and the mass in another, in another box. Correct. And at, when there's a wave function collapse, it ends up in one box or the other. Correct. As alive or dead. <laughs> As and if we're going in, back to the cat. in spin, yeah, right? Electron. The, the spin, spin is either up, down, or whatever. Right. Right. So right. Then so the, there's a way to separate can, the ma- two properties of an electron of an electron into right. separate boxes. Right. By and then and then by doing how that, how are they separated? How do you separate them? <laughs> because you're not fully observing them. But they could be in both places. Or so. I, I, it doesn't explain it, man. I don't know. I just thought it was really interesting. The, 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 the thing is, both these stories, the neutrino stories and this quantum Cheshire cat kind of thing where the smile is in one place and the body is in another or whatever, um, are really fascinating stories, but I wish I knew physics better. Right. And, you know, I just wish we had better physics education in general. Apparently, though, Texas is going to be well, you gotta cutting half like you've the physics be a specialist. Budget. Yeah. I mean, but even just then, basic physics. I, I, I emailed my brother about uh, the neutrino thing and asked him about this one quote about uh, the Lorenz invariance. And he wrote me this nice long explanation. And I'm just barely getting it. It's like viewing something through a shower curtain where you kind of get the general shape of things, but you have no idea what's going on. But it's really fascinating, like watching someone in a shower. Well, yeah, every, we keep learning things about quantum physics that blows our minds. Yeah, there's obviously, when you think about this stuff, the world just doesn't. It seems like we're living in an illusion. <laughs> it's like the world is not 
at the deepest level of what we think it is, where things go backwards in time and forwards in time, and, <laughs> and you can send things skip ac- over space. You know, skip over. You got the, the um, decoherence. You know, mm-hmm. where things can go all you know light speed apart, and if one changes, the other one changes <laughs> instantly, and you know. It just blows my mind. And this thing, I don't know if it's real or not. I've never heard of that where you can weakly kind of still detect something without collapsing it the wave It still sounds very thought experimenty. Well, I'm not imagine, sure what they can really do with it. Imagine if you have like a, like a feather, right? You can kind of figure out how the feather is doing without touching it by just barely rubbing along the without disturbing it, right? Okay. And so that's kind of what they're doing here. It, it's just they're just barely touching upon it rather than actually really inter- interacting with it. Because the, the way physics is done now, really, you know, they're smashing stuff together. Right. And this is uh, a little this bit more... This is definitely not smashing stuff Not together. smashing, yeah. It's more like driving by really fast and, you know, taking a look out the window. <laughs> but uh, one thing I thought about when, when I read this is I can see this causing a lot of woo to pop up because everybody, all, the woo is all about the quantum mechanics. Yeah. <laughs> and I can see them doing this. And the first thing I thought about was... The whole looking askance at at stuff just just because that's not the way it's done, but it's description of how you're looking. You're looking out of the corner of your eye, or something. right? Well, that that concerned me. The way it was phrased, it sounds like it's actually conscious observation of it that causes the wave collapse, rather than the interaction of the photon that eventually reaches <laughs> your eye, that eventually causes the your cause conscious of, right. awareness of that. So so, it's not the conscious. <laughs> that is causing the collapse. It's that photon or whatever it is. Right, because that, but that leads to, but that makes perfect sense because you are, despite the fact you're not looking at it, something is causing it to happen, right? Something, something is creating. But it doesn't matter whether system. anyone sees that photon or not. Right. Well, okay, it's a whole tree in the woods thing. Doesn't make a sound. Does a photon that does not is not observed <laughs> cause a wave function collapse? Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's yeah. precisely well, what you said. Okay, on, we're now getting into mixed metaphors. I, 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 I think it's okay. It does. But, but the metaphor of looking askance and seeing it out of the corner of your eye and not looking directly at it and thereby not collapsing the waveform. I don't. I think that's a bad analogy. I know, but people. I think people <laughs> will use that. So they'll turn it into the secret or something else. Or how you see things out of the corner of your eye, like ghosts, and you think it's a person, you look over, and the person's no longer there. Like when I was driving (laughs) earlier this week, and I thought I saw, oh my goodness, someone has a dog loose in their their yard, and I looked over at it, and it's, oh, that's just a mailbox that I'm driving by. (laughs) Right. So, so people, and that's a better analogy. Oh, much no, better. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is going to be abused like that. They're going to say that it's real. So all these things we see out of the corner of our eye are ghosts. I see. And, but when you look over there, they disappear. They're gone. Because the quantum physicist told us we can do this. Right. And that's, that's my point. I think it's going to be abused. Just as I horribly <laughs> abused it. I locked it up in a cellar and I was filling it with water. <laughs> Well, okay. I do want to thank my little brother Randall for helping me out with some of this physics. And... Yeah, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed his his letter. Yes, thank you, Randall Perrine. We need to get a, We need to get him on the show. Well, uh, yeah, hopefully he'll come out and visit San Antonio sometime, and we'll just say, "Come on out on a Wednesday. We'll record okay. the show." Well, that was an interesting story. Yep. And I may have 
ah, sounded like a complete idiot, but there you go. That's what we do every week. <laughs> I know. Okay. Anybody drinking? Anybody drinking out there? Take a shot. <laughs> I'm going to do something a little bit lighter because that quantum physics stuff is hurting my brain. <laughs> my brain hurts. <laughs> um, I, uh, a couple days ago at work, I had the pleasure of reviewing this PowerPoint presentation that was just released. And it's, it's one that I, I want to use because I'm, I'm doing training right now. And this is a PowerPoint presentation on train the trainer, how to train trainers to train to work instructions and business how, procedures. How Not British sneakers? No. This is, this is a business, Gary. Okay. Work instructions, how to do your job <laughs> and so on. Okay. <clears throat> and this is about a 50 page scary. Um, PowerPoint presentation. That was developed in another country. I'm not going to say where. And um, <laughs> Liechtenstein. <laughs> I found uh, two myths in this one PowerPoint presentation. And what I've kind of discovered is these two myths are kind of rampant in training circles, in human resources, in Toastmasters, and a lot of other. And we're going to talk about what these are. Okay. The first one. I don't know if anybody's heard of this, guys. It's the 55%, 38%, 7 rule. rule. I, I, I did not hear about it okay. until today. So I see the slide, and it says it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And there's a pie chart. And uh, imagine a pie chart, and most of the pie chart, 55% of it, it says... Body language. And then there's another slice of the pie that's 38% that says tone. And then there's a little slice of the pie that 7% says words. The point is that when you are talking, only 7% of your communication is actually the words you use. And the other 93% is body language. That's a lot to put on body language. That's a lot. That would mean people would be really confused on the telephone. It would be. <laughs> and, it, it, and if you're going to talk in person, why even use words? Why don't you just, you know, cross your arms gesture. and gesture? Yeah. So on, its, on Interpretive the dance. face of it, <laughs> I see here. this. I said, this cannot possibly be true. So I looked oh, it Oh, yes, up. it can. It is not. It is a myth. Donna? All I can think of is is that running gag from the Muppet movie where they keep talking about the licking frogs giving you warts is a myth, a myth, and there's always this woman that shows up and goes, yes? Yes. Yes. Okay, let me me tell you where these numbers come from, okay? These numbers actually come from a study done in 1967. That's how long this has been around. 67? That's old. By Albert Morabian, okay? He is a psychologist, and what he did, he did some he did some experiments back then, in which he had people watch someone say single words about kind of either positive emotional states, negative emotional states. Okay, and there would be ambiguous symbols, uh, situations where they would say something positive but have a frown on their face, or say something negative and have a smile on their face. Like they would say boobies and have a frown. Yeah. I think that's one of the examples. Um, <laughs> wow. and, Psychology um, has changed a lot since the 60s. And based on this, and then they did the same thing with facial expressions 
They did the same with facial expressions and they did the same with tone. Okay. okay? Sounding kind of happy and saying something negative and sounding not so happy and saying something positive. People uh, actually picked up more in this situation on the facial expression and the tone than the actual word itself. So you go back and say, was this, you know, was she being positive, negative? Okay. So they went more with the visual or the tone yes. than they ever did with what the person actually said. Yes. So but, if they but keep said my- boobies but had a frown, they assumed, the, they were- the assumption was that it was a negative thing. Well, they would say things like happy or positive or things like that um, with emotional content. Mm-hmm. Um, so, boobies have a lot of emotional content for me. <laughs> Get off the boobs. So somehow this... <laughs> Going back to Tim Minchin again. Very limited uh, situation where you have single words with some ambiguity about the emotional state. And he, we come up with these percentages became... Anytime you communicate anything, these are the percentages of facial expression... They in this thing they went from facial expression to body language, which is a big difference. They even didn't even get that right <laughs> to tone <laughs> and words. That anytime you imagine a situation where you're training someone how to do something, okay, that has absolutely nothing to do with saying emotionally laden words, where there's ambiguity in how you feel about those words, and somehow this has now become common knowledge kind of conventional wisdom in the, in training and saying this is see how important body language is and how you say things and it's complete bs um it's kind of like the the you only use 10 percent of your brain myth yeah that there was the, some one little study that has a sliver of truth to it and it's just been blown out of proportion and just said oh yep we know 10% of the brain or you yeah, lose 90% of your heat from your head sliver of proof to it anymore yeah. and the one i kind of think of as comparison is that you have to drink eight glasses of water a day oh right right <laughs> which everyone seems to know is true when it comes from a, some study talking about athletes and in the sun and and you know, assuming being, you didn't actually get any water from your food. Yeah, it's kind of crazy the way. That it's, just, it's kind of fascinating because it's probably some headline writer somewhere. And we talk <laughs> about this, how you cover science stories. Some headline writer reads the story wrong, has this headline that says, wow, the words you use only 7% of the communication. And then some industry picks it up and it becomes common knowledge and just kind of conventional wisdom within that, that field happens all the time so words only count for seven percent of communication i guess that's why the newspapers are going out of business that's why you have no idea what we're talking about right now <laughs> well we also have emotional tone which is that other 30 oh that's true so okay. ap- apparently our listeners are only picking up about 45 percent of what we're saying and sometimes Sorry, we discuss guys. body language like when greg uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh that would be a middle finger rubbing on your nose greg but i did say there was two myths in this PowerPoint presentation, because the very next slide was the difference between right-brain thinkers and left-brain thinkers. And they had these two columns about what a right-brain thinker is and a left-brain thinker, which (laughs) I think this is one of these situations where we did used to think that way. Because when we were learning that the brain was kind of modularized, modularized, okay, has areas with function, 
we kind of assumed that these it was more more modularized than we thought it was. Now we know it's more distributed with those types of personality traits. You can't really say right brain thinking, left brain thinking. Right, because you do have several people who have had to have half of their brain removed due to seizures and everything else, and you don't, you know, the people that had one, you know, they're not suddenly completely artistic or... They're not like Spock. Spock. Yeah, <laughs> all of a sudden. Exactly. That's creepy. You guys don't and do that's, that again. That's, <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. And that that's a situation where we probably originally thought, and it's just persisted. And, and then they take it one step further, and if you go on the internet, you can find this. There's this uh, spinning silhouette illusion, optical illusion. And sometimes you hear it, you see it spinning... Clockwise, the, sometimes the one you can with see the it. ballerina dancer. It's a ballerina dancer. Okay, that one. Exactly. Ballerina dancer. <laughs> so, okay, so, that's so just sometimes creepy. you can see it. Gary, cut that out. <laughs> spinning to the right, spinning to the left, and that's supposed to tell you whether you're a right brain thinker or a left brain thinker. Whether you, if you see it spinning one way, you're the creative type. If you see it spinning the other way, you're the more logical if type. If you see it naked, you're the pervy type. So this is one fallacy ways. on top of another. Right. So I did have the pleasure of, of sending the, the author of this PowerPoint presentation a nice note that he's oh, got. Oh, I'm sure he really appreciated I'm your sure he stiffly worded <laughs> Well, no one ever, ever appreciates saying, oh, i got to do more work on this, but... You know, if you say, hey, I want to help you make this better, I've heard these aren't true. I gave him your links. Your tone you know, is I, making your words come through. <laughs> I'm I did sorry. Some links. We know Dave. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it was a stiffly worded mistake. <laughs> I don't beat around the bush. No, I was I was nice about it. It was a great, great presentation. I'd like to use it. But there are two myths in this presentation that things. are pretty much debunked, and here are the links. Cool. So, um well, that's that's everyday skepticism that all of us can do. Help fix the little things in our environment so people stop just sending around the stupid chain letters about you know you know such and such is coming you know apothesis is going to destroy us next week or something like that. <laughs> yeah, question these things. Yep. You know, I saw that it just did not make any sense to me, and I looked it up. So you got to just just question stuff. You know, <laughs> so. Uh, moving on, we got a great story. Yes, we do. Um, the Aborigine genome has officially been sequenced. Um, the doctor Aust- Australian Australian Aborigines, their genome, which is actually one of the longest surviving, pretty much isolated cultures, their sequ- their genome has been sequenced now. Except for hipsters. Yeah, you broke me there. Sorry. Um, Dr. Let me get his name right because uh, Villerslev out of Denmark. Denmark, thank you. He used a sample of hairs that was collected by um, Dr. Alfred Court Hayden, who actually did go on to found Cambridge's Department of Anthropology. Um, but it was collected like a 100 years ago. Yeah, it was wasn't collected it? in 1920. They managed to actually pull DNA from this sample. Now, Villerslev is known, he's pretty much the guy in, in collecting a DNA. Why, why was it important to use hair from 100 years ago? Because at that point, there had been little chance of admixture with European populations. 
because Aborigines really didn't have much mixture or contact with um, Europeans. Okay. There's there's also some political issues of not um, Aborigines be, not being entirely trustful of quote right. unquote Western scientists coming into kind of do samples of America. America. experimenting. No, no a just, lot of a know, lot of Aborigines have actually like declined doing interviews, giving samples to scientists because of how their ancestors had been treated in the 1800s and the early 1900s. Some of the scientists didn't just collect hair samples, they collected people samples. Right. And most for, most first world nations now have NAGPRA style laws. Uh, NAGPRA, for those who are not in anthropology, is the Native American Graves Protection and Repatriation Act, which says that if you can identify, if your, if the remains can positively be associated with an existing tribe, the government is required to return those, although there is a little kind of leeway okay. in there for the Smithsonian. So, so what did they it find? Sense. It makes sense to get yeah. the early samples right. before yeah. the European. So, sure. so what did they find? What they found is that the Aborigines, they're now saying that the Aborigine group left sub-Saharan Africa at about 70,000 years before presence, which would which says that when Africans were leaving out of Africa, the pre-Homo sapien sapien ancestors, that it went in waves. Because they know that Africans left these, probably Homo habilis and Homo ergaster, left and went to Asia and Europe. There's evidence of them leaving at 32,000 BP. Now they're saying it's possible that they went in waves and the Aborigines were one of the first groups out of there. What's BP? Before present. Actually, it's 1950. Okay. You want to be technical? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll talk about more about that whole dating thing later on in the show. I had a comment, but I don't want to interrupt you. No, just go right you. ahead. I don't want to interrupt you. Okay. Um, well, okay. <laughs> there are some problems with the study. Um, a group out of... Um, that has compared it with the Denisov profile. The Denisova profile is a profile from Siberia that they have positively identified the entire genome. And there's matches in the Denisova profile with the Aborigines and with modern European and different sequencing. And I unfortunately do not have access to that paper. And so now there is some issues with Villerslev's paper and one is a group that has studied the Denisova profile. The Denisova profile is a known profile out of Siberia of a proto-human example. So pre-Homo sapien sapien. So a, a group how may have that? come out when? Into- this would be at about 25,000 BP. So, so why is that a problem? Because there is some matching in their genome sequencing and... The Aborigine genome. So they're too similar for the Aborigines to have left 60,000 years ago. That is what the Planck Institute out of Germany is saying. The Ooh, controversy. Yes. Does this also you know, have to do with deal with the fact that they said that um, Aborigine DNA still has the little bits of Neanderthal DNA mixed in yeah. that uh, Europeans and Asians do as well? Right. So there's still 
at least genetically linked that far back. Right. And that's what Villerslav says. He says that interbreeding could have happened earlier, and there's no way to pin down the date as to when that interbreeding happened. The Reich, who heads the Harvard Planck team, acknowledges that interbreeding is no proof, but suggests that it's a more rational explanation. The Danish team... Interbreeding, I'm sorry. Interbreeding between... Between interbreeding when they were still in Africa. And then they left and went their separate ways. And that particular parts of those genomes stayed in both. Would the Aborigines have Neanderthal genes? It's entirely like, possible. But we don't know. Right. You know, the, let me tell admixture you my, my of, the admixture of Neanderthal and human is a hotly contested debate in the anthropological world. But they can check for that. Yes, but you ask one scientist one thing, you ask another scientist another but, thing, but just like the genes, neutrino the, thing. The same genes that they say Europeans and Americans and everybody else has that they have identified as Neanderthal, they can look for those in the Aborigines. Right. Doesn't that tell us something? Because that was supposedly about 40,000 years ago, right? Right. Well, my I don't have, I don't have the genome. Because I could not read this from the genome paper itself that was put out by Villerslev, so I'm going strictly by... All of the news articles. I read uh, Guns, Germs, and Steel by Jared Diamond. Right. I just bought it. I know. Bad anthropologist. (laughs) And and so that that has its own description, I guess, at the time. It's, what, 10 years old? Right. Of how Australia was populated. Now, this, this paper that you're talking about now is saying the Aborigines broke off before Europeans and Asians split. Right. Right? I mean, that was the big thing, my takeaway. Yes. Okay? I think Guns, Germs, and Steel doesn't really come down on either side of that. You know? Um, About 40,000, 45,000 years ago, the oceans were lower. It was easier to get to Australia, but it was still difficult. You still needed watercraft. Right. And that's another issue that um, the Planck team has brought up is the fact that there is no evidence for boating activity. But at the same time, that's also a new theory that's being developed by Tom Dillahay out of the University of Chicago about how North America was populated. Yeah. Is well, they the boat theory as opposed to the Beringia theory. Yeah. yeah. They had to have boats. There was no point where they could have gotten Australia without boats. Right. And knowledge on how to use them and not just some accident. Could be a strong there, there was no point where Australia was visible from the nearest shore. Right. And I completely agree with you, but right now there is no archaeological evidence to back it up. And that's why they've been so isolated. Well, is it possible that all the archaeological evidence for boats is under the sea? Because the sea levels have risen since then? Right, because they rose about 10,000 years ago. So... That's Isn't the there archaeological evidence in Asia for boats around that time? That I wouldn't know because my my area of expertise is actually Africa. Okay. <laughs> so, and then I kind some of avoid point, that whole Asia thing. And then at some point, I, I'm thinking about 12,000 years ago, uh, ding, uh, dogs showed up. Right. The dingoes did show up in Australia. Yeah, go ahead. Make the joke. No, I'm not going to. What joke? Dingoes ate my baby. No, no. <laughs> wasn't wasn't going to go there. No, <laughs> he was surprised to they hear just... dingoes, and I said, yes, it was in the article, and that was the whole conversation yeah, we had we, yeah, with our non-verbal the... eyes. But just, so... but just 10,000 I mean, 10, years ago, all of a sudden, this... Mars... There's dingoes in Australia. It... Are, are, and are no evidence mammals? of who brought them. 
Yes, they're a dog. They're, right, okay. And so, no evidence of who brought them. Right. Or interbreeding with the native Right, because they, they know that the, the dingoes came from Asia with um, pig and rat and, and they tried to else. look at the language pig too, and, and they they yeah, can't pig find and any. Rat and dingoes oh, pig well, and rat. They can't yeah. find any. Um, oh my god! I, could... I thought you said pagan rat. I'm like, as opposed to what the Christian rat. <laughs> <laughs> they can't find any relationship between the language of right. the Aborigines and any other culture. Correct. Because that's one of the points on guns turned steel. They use language a lot to trace the migration of people. Right, because like in. North America, there are similar words like with the Tarahumara and the Wari and all of that. So you can use language and cultural terms to kind of map out a sort of migration. Although Tom Dillahay is making the argument, and he's got a very strong argument right now for the boat theory into South America because he has found evidence of human occupation down in Monteverde, Chile, at 30,000 years, which predates Clovis. Okay. Huh. Yeah, Clovis. Okay. <laughs> Hi, Dr. Dillahay. I hope you're proud There's of me. There's a video game with Clovis. Okay. Just, yeah. Right. Um, cool. So, so what do you think? Do you, I mean, uh, is, it, in- is it, see, I didn't read the part where this is a separate migration out of Africa. You're saying that the paper's saying this is a separate migration out of Africa. Right. The um, premier immigration out of Africa right now is what they're saying. Much less modern human. Yes. Well, I mean, when you're talking 40,000 years in, in human evolution terms, that's nothing. It, it really isn't. They're still modern humans. They just, they're more distant cousins of still but the humans. split was obviously earlier than we thought. Then right. there was more co-evolution. I don't know. It would be admixture. Oh, That's you think the technical term for what? For mixing genes between different human. No, types. I was thinking about co-evolution as in evolution between different groups. Independently. Oh, like like Homo ergaster versus Homo erectus. Not gonna make the joke. <laughs> Not much of a joke there. That's interesting. Um, right, like I said, it's it's really coming down to basically, in my personal opinion, right now it's a pissing contest between the Planck Institute and the Danes. But something that I've noticed in anthropology and especially in archaeology is that sometimes current theories, while they've been proven not exactly true, because like the Beringia theory of, you know, they came across the Bering Strait and, and populated their way southward. Now that Tom Delahaye is going, look, we've got evidence here. Tom Delahaye is actually keeping most of his research pretty quiet, waiting for the grand old men of archaeology basically to retire and die off and then really start moving in his theories. So just to recap, the, the options are that there was an earlier wave out of Africa that went basically right through Europe and Asia and into Australia. No, basically took a boat across and didn't go to Europe. From Africa. Yes. They kind of went along the coast and just kept going. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Very early uh, out of Africa. The other option being they went, they they separated somewhere in Europe before Europeans and Asians split. Correct. But then all of this is in dispute because of another find that finds very similar genetics at a later period in time in Siberia. Correct. Okay. So it's a mess. 
It's a mess, okay. and it's anthropology, but it's and a that's puzzle what we're... and it's fun. It's right. something to solve. They don't know. We don't know if they mixed with Neanderthals. Correct. And if they if they just floated from Africa to Australia, they didn't. But also, like I said, this is the first time that this particular genome has been sequenced. And in um, Dr. Vilosov's, I don't know how to put this, but he actually went to the tribal councils of the of the Aborigines and said. If you do not want me to publish this, I won't. He actually went to the groups to keep good relations with the people that he was studying. And, and not only did they allow him to publish, but they've endorsed this. Yes, as saying, they have been this endorsing it, right? Like I said, because most Aborigines have foregone giving their consent to doing this, and he refused to to publish without their consent. Okay, so. Not only is he acting scientifically, he is taking modern ethics into account. Well, thank you, Donna. Hopefully we'll get some more research on this now that uh, public relations are getting a little better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Donna. Good story. All right. Hey, good. Now. Okay, I, I didn't find any new members of the Holistic Chamber of Commerce this week, but I do want to give you um, some some we, we're going back to one we talked about on the live show, which was Next Generation Water. Um, <clears throat> they've been doing something I want to talk about. By, by the way, we did do a Holistic Chamber of Commerce on Les Stone. It was cut out a couple of weeks ago. Thank you, Gary. But you can find Wait, it on on, on, the, on, the, on the blog. Okay. Yeah. And we'll probably Don't you ever cut my Chamber of Commerce out again. We'll probably have some cut stuff from this show that'll this appear on the blog. <laughs> okay, so apparently, I guess maybe they're slowing down in their recruiting, but I do want to talk about this next generation water. If you heard the, lo- the, the live show, they sell water that will cure anything, including foot fungus and women problems. Um, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. It will cure... Problems of women are having, or just woman problems? <laughs> woman in general? problems. It'll get rid of that ex-girlfriend. You know what we're saying? Okay? PMS. <laughs> oh, okay. shit like that. I thought like you know, Greg and I might be able to take it. So next generation. <laughs> I don't water, think it's lack of woman problems. <laughs> the people who brought you water that will cure your foot fungus and women problems has hosted and I, I hosted a showing of a film on how cancer is curable now. Now. And now. we're going to wake up the country. We need to wake everyone up because cancer is curable now. <laughs> um, this movie shows the alternative cancer treatment has grown into a powerful movement, a movement which will finally reveal the ignorance of conventional treatment by showing how cancer is curable now. Through powerful oh, movements. Oh, sorry. That damn I, did, did you guys back... watch the movie, by the way? Uh, no, I watched there, like the first couple of minutes. Of there it. was a 30-second promo, was, whatever. Yeah, it was... It, was, it yeah. was horrible. You know, it's all about how the pharmaceuticals know that we can cure cancer, but the ways you cure cancer, there's no profit in it. So we have to continue with these barbaric practices... And that are killing people. Cancer doesn't kill people anymore. It's the cure that the pharmaceutical companies are pushing at us that are killing people. Ooh, ooh, did it and, use a lot of them in quotations and capitalized? Yes, yes. And it has these pictures of the big 
fat pharmaceutical with money sticking out of their pockets. And it's not just cancer. All of these incurable diseases, it's no problem, they say. We know how to treat it. Alternative practitioners know how to treat all of these problems. The only reason they still exist is because these farmers' fat, frickin' rich pharmaceuticals are, are hiding the truth from everyone. Because if people knew that just eating raw foods <laughs> would prevent you from having any disease, there's no profit in that. So, Speaking of, next month they're showing how to cure diabetes with raw foods. Gosh, we got to go to that one. I'm so mad we missed this. This was this Sunday. I wasn't doing anything and didn't go. But somebody's got to go to this thing. And, Bad and, David, no donut. And say, you know, this is all BS. But, of course, they're not going to believe anything we say. But this is it, well, it's kind of disgusting. Well, it would get us some press if we got kicked out. This was this nice couple just selling water. You know, <laughs> this and, four thousand dollar water mach- water filter machine thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll double ionize, detoxify. You know, change, mechanic, change the acidity level, that sort of thing. And yeah. now they're saying all all disease is curable, and and we're we're only sick because the rich pharmaceutical companies are keeping keeping us down. So that's what I wanted to say. So, so yeah, a lot and of the, make sure you listen. So yes, so just so you know, because you know it's only the rich pharmaceutical companies that sell really expensive cures. That four thousand dollar water machine. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like the Woomeisters at Next Generation Water are kind of doubling down on the crazy. Say, yeah. They yeah. haven't just doubled down, baby. They like eight times down. It makes me feel I was a little bit too nice with this this <laughs> nice little couple the live show um but we definitely need to go to one of these events so that's what i wanted to say make sure you listen if you're interested in hot stone therapy be sure you listen to the last stone episode there is, there of is no holistic d. chamber of commerce on the there is web. no d on the end of stone <laughs> and now we're going to go to the lightning round lightning starting round. with craig lightning round all right. Well, I'm going to start out the lightning round this week. Um, lightning round is basically those topics that are fairly short, but we still want to get into the podcast. Um, I'm going to start this week with a story that um, a lot of our users, I assume, are on Facebook. Um, and if you are, like us. We yes, need more please, likes. Please go like us. more like. Please go like us on Facebook. We try to post some content there as well as the blog. Um, something that's going, been going around Facebook for the last week or two has been the idea that um, Facebook is going to start charging. Um, oh, my God. And, <laughs> and it's this status thing that says, you know, famous, uh, it's going to start charging. They were talking about a tiered money plan where it's gold, silver, and bronze. But if you paste this message in your status, you'll get it free. Don't worry. I cannot uh, believe this. Yeah. I, it's, I saw someone actually do this. Yep, One of my it's, Facebook it's, friends. And, and there's another version that this says, is true? this is what? official. It's even on the news. But if you post this on the profile, this other icon will turn blue and you'll yeah. get it for tr- free. And the fact is there are many things that people aren't thinking about. Like, first of all, if Facebook was really going to go ahead and start charging, why would they exempt anybody? That doesn't make any financial sense for a company. If you're savvy enough to put this on your... Yes, yeah. exactly. It's like... <laughs> Status. It, it's the information oh, these they guys, don't want you, know, you to know. Yeah. The well, these guys there is one person on my friends list who's about to get unfriended because he put that on there and somebody posted, 
dude, it's a scam. Check out Snopes.com. And he went, what? I know, I just wanted to see how far it would go. And it's I'm not like, even a scam. Yeah, right. yeah but if, if you go and check out Snopes.com, they list... This has happened five or six separate times yeah. since 2007, I think, or 2009, where it started out mainly with this malicious site that was trying to give you malware and sell you porn, but now it's just chain mail. Yeah. So up next, um, even though you guys ate up a lot of my 90 seconds, that's okay, <laughs> I'm not bitter. Up next, we have Gary, who's going to tell us about a fun little sports event in a local church down here in Texas. Not so much local. It's actually up in in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Well, I guess I didn't read it that carefully. Go ahead. No. Um, so there's a, the, the Guts Mega Church up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I don't know what Guts stands guts? for. Guts. <laughs> Very manly church. Um, for the last six years, they have uh, been hosting unsanctioned boxing matches for Jesus. And they had a former Tulsa Golden Hurricane linebacker, uh, George Klinkscale, Klinkscale uh, who died last Wednesday after pers- participating in the event. And I, I don't, they don't say what exactly happened, but he actually started acting odd after the first couple of minutes. So it looks like it wasn't actually the boxing event, like getting beaten up. It was probably some undiagnosed condition that got exacerbated by getting hit. But if it was a sanctioned event, he probably would have had a physical beforehand and probably wouldn't have died. It's quite possible. But he was a linebacker, so he... Uh, at least previous to this, he probably went through all of these things. So it was probably fairly recent. But my my point about it is this this church was doing this. Someone had to have known that boxing was regulated. And, and <laughs> right, they were doing it completely unsanctioned. And it's that kind of mentality that a lot of these churches, yeah, they I mean, think the that local, they're above uh, the law. Yeah, the local Golden Gloves here has pretty stiff sanctions about... Who can participate? Because yeah, it's dangerous. You're beating people mm. up. And it's a yeah. stupid thing for Jesus to do. Oh, sorry. Stupid thing to do for Jesus. <laughs> Pugilism. Very nice. Um, Donna, you're going to talk about some alternatives for jail that some people are given. Yeah, in Baymanette, Alabama. <laughs> Alabama! A city judge, it has been proposed that a city judge can allow misdemeanor offenses to either send them to jail with a fine, or they can attend church for one year. <laughs> really? Just yeah. church? What about synagogue or No, temple? because there are actually, actually, there are no synagogues or mosques in the town. Shock. Shocking, I so know. So there obviously aren't any. Um, the local police chief believes that this will survive judicial scrutiny because, <laughs> A, offenders have a choice on whether they choose church or jail and yeah. which church. There are Go to uh, church or jail you. That's a nice choice. Congregations participating. Okay. Now I did some I did a little Googling here. Baymanette, Alabama has a population of eighty five hundred people and there's fifty six churches. Wow. Good gracious. Okay. But there's also now Friendly Atheist posted an update today. Um Chief Rowland is running it through the final legal review. And if the city attorney, <laughs> quote, gives us that we can go ahead and move forward with it on our next court date, which will be October 11th, and I believe that's going to happen. So they don't even have court every day. The next court date is October 11th. Well, let's equate church to jail. That's a wonderful thing. I like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm personally seeing it as church as punishment. <laughs> Finally, somebody agrees with me. <laughs> 
Well, I sometimes will joke that I'm an atheist because uh, Transformers, the cartoon, was on Sunday mornings when I was growing up, and I hated missing Transformers to go to church. So um, maybe uh, maybe this will turn some kids around. I would do Can I church. make one little addition to this? All right. Um, the police chief was actually named on Monday by Keith Olbermann as his worst person worst of the person yeah. 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 So these <laughs> so these dumbasses are actually getting some press. All right. Good for them. Well, up next, uh, talking about images on screen, like Keith Oberman is an image on screen. Yeah, that's a horrible transition, but I'm going to give you the full 90 seconds. This is not taking away from your time, David. Don't worry. Uh, David's going to tell us about some neat science about brain imaging. Nice introduction there. Thank you. (laughs) This is a very, this has gotten some press, probably because the uh, implications are really interesting. Um, it's it's kind of a story about learning to read the brain and read your mind and uh, actually reading the images that are coming in your head. And this is what they did. Basically, what they did is they had people sit in an fMRI machine and watch a bunch of YouTube, random YouTube videos. And then they had them sit and watch some movie trailers and other things. And they tried to match up the two, okay? So um, they would take the brain scans of when they're watching, like, uh, Inspector Clouseau. And, the new and one. The trailers. <laughs> the trailer one, yeah. Movie trailers. And then they would take they, – they mapped out the visual cortex, okay? And then they tried to match that map of the visual cortex – with uh, random YouTube videos, um, am I saying this correctly, the, the visual cortex mapping from just watching random videos, okay? And so they, they would find the best match and try to recreate what they were watching made out of these random YouTube videos. And it's pretty eerie if you've seen the videos. It, um, they, they kind of match. You look at if someone's just talking on screen, they match that pretty well. If someone's like on the right side of the screen, kind of looking to the left, they match that with the YouTube video. I think we're only restricted in the amount of YouTube videos these people have watched. Well, okay, (laughs) Mulligan, (laughs) because I think Gary wants to talk about this too. Go, 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 go. Okay, Um, so if if. I don't know if they, they actually tested whether one person could watch the videos and match it up with another person's watching with the, the YouTube videos. I think it had to be the same person. Hmm. But if, if somebody, if you actually sat there and watched millions of minutes of YouTube videos, you could probably recreate just about anything. Yeah. I think we're only limited by, by what you've watched. <laughs> well, okay. We're out of time. Yeah. Yes. And it's not just because I'm next. I promise you. (laughs) So, uh, uh, Dateline Mumbai, India. Apparently, there's a new company trying to sell another new product that's going to improve your life. And it is... um, Oh, what are they called? Um, Well, I'll just read the... 
Power bands are big in the U.S. and the U.K., and I was in, very interested in getting them to India. Aren't you glad I'm not reading this in a Hindi accent? <laughs> um, but the company I was planning to partner with got sued, and I wasn't willing to touch it. The company in question, Power Plant Balance, <laughs> claimed to have an embedded hologram within the silicone band that improved the wearer's strength and stability via magnetic fields. This person has tied up um, has tied up with a brand from the UK which uses tourmaline, a semi-precious stone known to and they're improve not getting sued. vitality, <laughs> blood circulation, focus, strength, and stamina. The person had his hesitations, but since he had worked with a com- cosmetics brand, he knew the many uses of t- tourmaline <laughs> in uh, their beauty products. Yeah, he also beauty. said. This one-size-fits-all gemstone uh, apparently emits negative icon, the ions, <laughs> and then compared it to, if you sit by a waterfall, there's a high concentration of negative ions, and you feel relaxed. The band possesses these same properties. Also, since it's not magnetic, everybody can wear it, including pregnant women. In fact, you can even share bands with someone else, as the properties don't diminish over time. So that's why you relax when you sit by a waterfall? It's not the water yep. and the, the view? of everything. Yeah. So, it's well, the negative a, ions coming off the water. I have a in my kidneys right yeah. now. So, so they, they, they decided, <laughs> oh, we got to find one of these guys who are not being sued. Yeah, pretty much. There's yeah. actually another power band type thing also being sold in Australia. Yeah. And the Australian skeptics have like an open letter to this NG brand or whatever. But I've got no time. Well, that's there's, where they got sued first, Australia. Yes, Australia did the power bands, but there's yeah. another company trying to sell power bands in australia you know when i'm doing internet searches on a bunch of woo india always is number one india's got the most alternative medicine and everything but speaking of internet searches for fun content gary's going to tell us about a youtube video that has been uh going around uh some on facebook but uh it's been kind of viral yeah, um, I I got it off of Twitter, and unfortunately I can't remember who I got it, but I think it may have been Brian Cox that, that sent me this video. But then Bad Astronomer also uh, posted it. Um, it's and called, we posted it to our Facebook page. And, and we posted it to, to our Facebook. It's called Slinky Drop. And just just look it up. It's really Slinky, it's from Australia. I, and it's what the guy does is he holds the, he holds the Slinky uh, so that it's vertical and lets it stretch out, and then he lets go on the top. Um, and I'm going to let you watch this video. I'll, we'll post it to the blog, uh, or go on YouTube to watch it and the see what happens. The answer is the second man on the grassy knoll. Right. It's really quite interesting because then he also puts a tennis ball and does the same thing. Um, and it, it, the physics of it is very interesting. I just wanted to point that out because it's a really cool video, and I was very agog and got it wrong both times because you can actually choose what you think is going to happen, which I'm sure will all come back to haunt us from our permanent record, um, <laughs> permanent YouTube record. Yeah, Google's tracking us. Exactly. Uh, that's really all I had. Um, so another physics fun thing that isn't going to melt our brains unless physics is fun (laughs) i'm like talking about everyone yeah and i'm i'm a big fan of it and it looks like he has like the original slink because it's metal it's not the little plastic piece of crap safety first people well you're a little early but we'll keep moving on uh donna has another story about apparently there are irish people in flames actually it's only one (laughs) okay (laughs) only one a irish medical examiner has determined that the cause of death in a 76-year-old man who died in December 2010, was spontaneous human combustion. 
Oh, right. okay. Right. Which, I mean, I know that when I was a kid, I was really into, like, watching, you know, Ripley's Believe It or Not, That's Incredible, where this was kind of featured presently, and it is part of who I am as a forensic anthropologist. <laughs> but essentially, it boils down to um, the wick effect. Basically, there is no accelerant. Something started the fire, but because of... Um, couldn't have been a true Irishman. Didn't have alcohol in the system. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Irish The source people. of ignition was destroyed, and, you know, once again, it has all the classic hallmarks. No damage to the body, no accelerant. There was actually a fire burning in the Wait, fireplace. Wait, no damage to the body? The guy was burnt up. I said only damage oh. to the body. Sorry, that makes much more sense. Yeah. No accelerant. There was a fire burning in the fireplace. Um, but I have to give the I have to give the coroner medical examiner credit because I love this last line in the article. I think if heavens were striking in cases of spontaneous combustion, then there would be a lot more cases. I go for the practical, the mundane explanation. Yay! So he's not going for a spontaneous human combustion. Yes, but people had been accusing it of divine intervention. Oh, so. But he's going with spontaneous yes. human combustion, which is just argument just from ignorance. It's like. No, he's 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 go he's not going with God striking oh, people down. If the heavens were he's, striking in cases right. of spontaneous combustion, then it would be a lot more cases. Right. It's so just it's argument from okay. ignorance. We yeah. don't know what it is, so it's spontaneous human combustion. Yeah. Well, apparently we have another story out of uh, the British Isles, and David is going to explain to us what the phrase BBC BC BCE ADCE means when we put it on the big white board of topics. Yeah, this is kind of just a minor topic, but it's kind of interesting to see this kind of flare up. I remember, you know, reading science articles over the past decades, pretty much you started seeing uh, BCE and CE when they would date things, right? So before current era and current era, kind of replacing Uh, the uh, BC and AD, which made sense to me because BC and AD were kind of religious terms. Let's call it an era. And and, it may, and science has started using this. Well, it's kind of now um, when this is getting pushed more into other areas besides science, it's kind of sparking a cultural war. And we, if, uh, last year we saw this here in Texas because when we had the textbook, you know, curriculum disputes, originally the, the plan was to change to BCECE. But, of course, when that proposal got to the religious right Texas Board of Education, they complained and they struck that down. Well, now we're seeing that in the BBC in England where they are, BBC has made a decision to go to BCECE, uh, current epic. And they are getting a lot of pushback. And if you look this up, uh, they're getting a lot of, oh, this is a political correctness gone amok gone wrong you know and, and besides and i would kind of like to get people's opinion on this because it still dates to christ whatever you right. call it okay current well first of all i can understand why they're getting a pushback because european uh european europia uh europe has a mark the ce mark which stands for conformite <laughs> yeah. european and so i know i, I misspelled or mispronounced that so they're probably confused already because they have BCE and CE. So it could be before the mark and after the mark. So this and product so was made after <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm I just... can see the confusion. <laughs> like, why do they keep talking about these people with the television set? They're confused. <laughs> well, I kind of get the point of just saying, well, all right, we're going to call it by a different term, but this is our common frame of reference. Like, we've got our Gregorian calendar. You know, we, we might as well just stick with that, even though it's... You yeah. just want to, because of your name. No. <laughs> you know, I like... It's, it's, it's a common frame of reference. Let's change the wording a little bit to make it less purely Christian. And Latin. Yeah. No one, right. no one likes Latin. So you know AD stands for... Anna Domini. A dog. You're right. Anna Domini. And it doesn't mean after, after death. Because <laughs> otherwise there's 30 years or so in there that, you know, you'd have to take into account. Who told you it was after death? That's what I always I think, heard as a kid. I, I think uh, I think my parents... And it didn't make sense. Right. Heard. There's two different... You know, before, after Cause death, they didn't before know Christ. They're right. That would screw things up. Yeah, because before Christ and after death, yeah. it makes perfect sense. Especially when you're five. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, not so much. But <laughs> I, so be careful whenever, if you want to change dates to BCE, for some pushback. Because that is, this is going to be the next cultural war issue. <laughs> <laughs> the next presidential candidate is going to say, I'm for AD, BC. <laughs> it's all going to be just talking acronyms for the These secularists H-I-E-T-H-E. trying to take away. And then a bunch of people are going to say. No, it's going to be, it's going to be, first they take away Christmas, and now they're taking away the calendar. Exactly. <laughs> These atheists want to just take away everything. And then there's it's some because stoner. we all hate Christ, let's admit it. He was a bully, you know. <laughs> Actually, he wasn't, but, you know. And then we there's some know. stoner out there who's like, wait a minute. Rick Perry likes ACDC? What? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Texas Free Thought Convention will be next week. Next week? Is it uh, next it, week? Y- yes. Oh, we will be leaving a week from tomorrow. Good gracious. Okay, next week then. See you there. So come we'll find going. us. And then we'll David, be... David, rec- Gary, Donna, and Greg. Yeah. We'll be recording Skeptic Wire a day early, so keep checking your iTunes. and Yeah, it'll probably be... Posted on the typical Thursday. Okay. I'm so lazy this week. All right. Um, Thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate it. See you next week, and you can cut that, Gary. Signing out. Yes. Good night. Good night. I'm I'm cutting myself. I'm cutting myself. I'm emo. Oh, God. Cut all of that out of the podcast. Forget it all. I wish my grass were emo. Then it would cut Cut itself. itself. Oh, dear. Out. Right. Stop it, dog. Damn it. <laughs> the Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the Podposted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. Even if it's wrong, it'll teach us more. But as it stands right now, this is going to be a good segue. I hope it's right. <laughs> we don't know. It's not a great segue if you say you're doing a segue. <laughs> I need to get that part out. <laughs> this is, 
after the credits is going to just be five minutes of different people saying, you're going to cut that out, right? Cut that out. No. <laughs> cut that out of the show. That was a horrible joke. Cut that out. <laughs> cut that out, Gary. So, <laughs> oh, he... Oh. You can cut Did that you out. mark the spot? I didn't see you mark it. Yeah, he peed all over it. There you go. Um... <laughs>